A Grand Jury Indicts a Ham Sandwich, Part 5, on Banana Republics by Derek Siegel. The indictment contains not a single mention of the Presidential Records Act, the most relevant statute to the actual alleged crime here. The indictment includes selective statements from President Trump on the campaign trail in 2016 about classification and how he treated without one mention of the fact that Trump, after he was elected in 2016, said he would not prosecute Hillary Clinton and would not want to see her prosecuted. If Trump's judgment was bad here, President Biden's judgment is worse for actually bringing a prosecution. He should have done what Trump did. There is a difference between Donald Trump when he left office as president versus Joe Biden, who was a U.S. senator, and Hillary Clinton, who was the secretary of state, none of whom were covered by the Presidential Records Act. The Presidential Records Act specifically gives U.S. presidents jurisdiction and authority over deciding why is and isn't a presidential record and executive orders bind the rest of the country. That's the classification scheme. They don't bind the U.S. president. The fact that these distinctions did not even appear in this indictment to me reek of politicization, which is why I am deeply skeptical of the face value claim that the White House wasn't involved. That's what I want to get to the bottom of. The prosecution made a gamble. They decided politically they're better off charging willfulness, even though it makes it harder for them to prove the case. Now they get a stronger indictment, and if they get an acquittal on that charge, they can blame the jury, not themselves. This is evidence that this is political, not that we needed more. Why wouldn't, as a prosecutor, maybe you charge for Section 793 F? This is an obvious attempt to distinguish his behavior from Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. Remember, Comey said what Clinton did was negligent, but nobody is prosecuted for negligence. Basically, they're trying to distinguish from what Comey said about Hillary Clinton as well as Joe Biden and Pence, and by doing that, they make it more justified to indict, but harder to convict, but harder to convict. Let's remember the indictment is almost certainly drafted by the special counsel. The independent counsel in Garland doesn't generally get to undo that unless it's in violation of Justice Department rules and regulations, which is a high standard. The defenders of the indictment will say that this was not political. It was not done by the Oval Office or by the Oval Office or by the Justice Department. It was done by a very experienced and highly regarded independent counsel. But Attorney General Merrick Garland answers to one man, and it happens to be Trump's rival to the presidency. Garland could have squashed this had he wanted to. Maybe Garland's inaction is more important than anything he actually did. The thing that very well might violate Justice Department policies is the timing. Here we have a situation where there is no good timing for this trial. Either it will be just before the primaries, during the primaries, just before the primaries, just before the election, or after the election. Unless the case is a slam dunk, it should never have been brought in. You do not indict the man who is running against the incumbent president unless you absolutely have to. This is not a case for typical prosecutorial discretion. This is a case that has to pass the test of no choice. It doesn't. If you're going to take the extreme step of indicting the likely nominee of the opposition party, the case has to meet two, two fairly simple tests. One, it has to be really serious. And two, it has to be a pretty good case. The first one doesn't meet either of those tests. Here we have the indictment of a crime that the current president has basically already admitted to doing the same thing, and it involves the Espionage Act, which has been abused repeatedly going back the last 15 years or so in a variety of cases, and Barack Obama sets the record for using it. Against leakers. It's used in the Assange case and in an extremely dubious way, so he may be guilty of this right there. There may actually be a mishandling of documents, so it may meet that test, but in terms of the seriousness of it, the average person is going to look at this and say it's a politicized investigation, the same way they did for each prior indictment of Trump. It's going to remain a mystery, apparently, what the documents actually are. 
There seems to be no prospect of finding out what these sensitive documents were, which causes one to imagine a terrible rug pull when they turn out to be pictures of him with Kim Kardashian or him and Tiger Woods shaking hands or with a big trophy between them. We'll assume that they are somewhat more serious than that. But I see no reason if you're a Trump supporter or if you're a neutral party who's just concerned about precedent and you know the future of democracy is at stake. As they say, why you should imagine this is anything other than political. It is the latest in a series of prosecutorial gestures toward Trump that go back years and years and years. All of the previous, except Bragg, because that hasn't been adjudicated yet, have turned out to be vaporous, even somewhat hysterical, and to have been backed by partisan forces. Why should this be any different? I don't know. In other words, if the threshold here is to convince Trump supporters or the neutral onlooker that this is, in fact, a grave and serious prosecution, I don't think that's been met, and I don't think it looks like it will be. The federal administrative state, the police arm of that state, is for the first time in U.S. history not only indicting a former president, but also indicting the leading candidate against the incumbent U.S. president. That is the stuff of banana republics, and if there was ever going to be a case brought against a leading political rival for a sitting U.S. president, it better be locked down and airtight, not an indictment that fails to mention the most relevant statute. The consensus in Washington and the media was of approval when Obama immunized the CIA and Bush Cheney for war crimes during their war on terror, just like it was when Ford pardoned Nixon on the grounds that only banana republics prosecute former presidents by subsequent administration. But what actually happens in a banana republic is there is a two-tiered system of justice, one for elites and one for everybody else. By not prosecuting war criminals during the Bush years is what would make this look like a banana republic. Now... Here we are, finally a person with power seemingly being prosecuted, but the problem becomes it is still selective in a different way. Clearly, Trump is an enemy of the political establishment in the way others who performed similar or worse things like David Petraeus and Leon Panetta and arguably Hillary Clinton, but none of them spent a second in jail. They weren't charged with Espionage Act violations, so I do think there's a highly political element to the selective indictment. The problem is selective prosecution is all too common in the U.S. We see it all the time. Prosecutors, district attorneys, and judges choose who they go after and who they don't on much more serious crimes and allegations than this indictment, and almost always it's for political or careerist reasons. Liberals used to advocate for things like prosecutorial and judicial reform when it came to selective prosecution, but now they are selective about which selective prosecution they are enraged with. If we watch what's happening in the United States, happen in any of the designated bad countries where the current president has his government indict and try to imprison his leading political opponent, we would instantly cite it as proof of their despotism. For example, when Vladimir Putin presided over Navalny's corruption charges, despotism is what was said. That is also exactly how both American liberals and the international left viewed Brazil's charging and convicting Lula on corruption charges. At exactly this point in the election cycle in 2017, when he was leading all candidates to return to power Lula, who was the lefty guy in Brazil, he was going to go against Bolsonaro, who threw him in jail. That's exactly what Joe Biden's doing to Donald Trump right now. They're throwing him in jail. He's the leading candidate against him. Even if he was a criminal, if he was more of a criminal than most presidents, which he's not, you shouldn't do it because it undermines the rule of law. It looks like exactly like what it is a political practice prosecution of your, of your political enemy. This is just as nuts as when Dick Cheney and George Bush ordered a torture program to cover for their illegal war that they lied us into and Barack Obama didn't prosecute any of the people who ordered a torture program, which is a war crime because he said all those crimes happened in the past and he's looking towards the future. 
Of course, this is exactly what it looks like. It's a political prosecution. It's because Trump doesn't go along. He puts a bad face on the empire, and he doesn't go along completely with their foreign policy imperialism. He ran on getting us out of the Middle East. He ran by saying we destabilize the Middle East. That's the president of the United States. He said that on record, he said on camera that we, the United States, destabilize the Middle East. That's why they have to get rid of him. I just want to address the pretend reason they give or why they're going after Donald Trump. The pretend reason is that he took these documents. What's on them? Now there is a chance he's even going to jail. That it is not a strong case that doesn't matter. It's just to hold him up. Apparently you can run for president behind bars. There's a question about whether you can actually serve as president from prison or if the sentence would be staved off while you serve as president. It's likely you can pardon yourself as president, although the law is not clear. But if Trump doesn't win, if Biden wins, he's not going to get the pardon. If DeSantis wins, I think he would have to pardon Trump for political reasons. If you ask me, I don't think the prosecution really cares to win this case. I believe, like the other indictments, they never really planned on convicting Trump. They only care to damage him politically as much as they can. For the time, being as his poll numbers prove they are doing like they have done. A horrible job at that. In the meanwhile, Joe Biden has taken us into banana republic land. In political science, the term banana republic describes a politically and economically unstable country with an economy dependent upon the export of natural resources. The donor class hates Trump. They want to get rid of him, and the donor class controls both putties, and that's why this is being allowed to happen. The idea that it's because of classified documents is a stupid, stupid idea. The prosecution of Donald Trump is transparently political. He's literally Joe Biden's main political opponent. He's pulling over 60% among Republican voters right now, so Joe Biden is doing what no president has ever dared to do. He's using law enforcement to lock up his chief rival that's happening right now. Anyone who denies it's happening is lying to you, but actually it's worse than that. Many on the political left, right, and in between have been conditioned by a domestic propaganda campaign to see Agent Orange as an incompetent, narcissistic, snake oil salesman, Kremlin agent, criminal, and cause of everything wrong with our democracy. In 2020, two midterms, the Democrats and a few. Neocon Republicans literally ran against the ghost of Trump to unironically save democracy. Rather than what he actually is, a symptom of everything wrong with America, Trump removed the mask from Washington, from America's love for the cheap histrionics of reality TV and cable news. Prominent Washington hates his guts for this. Wall Street and the military industry would prefer a semblance of decorum to hide behind. The fact of the matter is Trump is, in fact, an aberration in a lineage of presidents, but not in the way they make you believe. How many wars, invasions, interventions, or military conflicts did Trump start while in office? How many wars, invasions, interventions, or military conflicts did the all-U.S. presidents not name Trump since after start? When Trump and Kim Jong-un talked of peace, U.S. defense stocks sinked. Donald Trump is being persecuted because he's against the war machine. Democrats and Republicans will bicker about trans kids, abortion, and gun control. But on issues where power and wealth are determined, wars, Russia, China, the U.S. security state, AOC and Paul Ryan have the same views as do Marco Rubio, Nancy Pelosi, the New York Times, and Joe Biden. Trump's prosecution isn't just political. It's ideological. Nobody with Trump's views is allowed to have power in this country. Criticize our wars and you're disqualified. If you keep it up, we'll send you to prison. That's the message. Washington is sending, not just the Democratic Party is sending, but both parties are sending. Like so many Republicans, for example, the supposedly conservative governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, spent this week totally ignoring the destruction of the American justice system. 
Instead, he signed a highly important bill called the Crown Act, which, according to the celebratory tweet Abbott sent commemorating it, will prohibit discrimination based on textures and hairstyles historically associated with race. In other words, in Texas, cornos are now protected by law. Having unapproved views about Ukraine is not. That's fine with most elected Republicans. They find Trump tiresome and embarrassing. Their donors hate him. Their donors hate him. They will not be sad if he dies in jail. But what about voters? What are they learning from this spectacle? Well, mostly they're learning that they have no power at all because nobody cares about them, but they already knew that. Unlike so many of our elected leaders, they have been to America recently. They know what it looks like. Have you seen it? If you've got a few days this summer, find out. Take a road trip and see for yourself. Drive 500 miles in any direction and then come home. How are things looking? Well, they should look great. The federal government spent $6.5 trillion last year, and that's more than any government has ever spent. Ever. At the very least, you would expect pristine public roads. Oh, no, that's not what you see when you drive around this country. There are potholes and Jersey barriers everywhere. It looks like Tegucigalpa before the Chinese decided to rebuild the infrastructure of Honduras. We don't have China buying our roads, so they're falling apart. You'd think the people you would pass on your road trip would look happy and prosperous again. This is a very rich country, but a lot of them don't quite. A few appear to be strung out on drugs. You see them shuffling by shuttered storefronts in small towns, and you wonder as you see all of this. Where did all the money go? It's certainly not here. Well, it's in Washington. It's in Fairfax and Loudoun County and in leafy, perfectly manicured northwest D.C., and, of course, a huge chunk of it went to Ukraine to Zelensky and his friends. That's not because you voted for that. You didn't vote to give it to them. You never would, but because Joe Biden and his many allies, from Chuck Schumer to Mitch McConnell to Paul Ryan and every single news anchor on all of television, all of them believe that Ukraine, its borders, its future, its infrastructure, its infrastructure are all more important than the town that you live in. They sincerely think that, and it's obvious. Everyone in power thinks that except for Donald Trump, Whatever else you say about him, Trump is the one guy with an actual shot of becoming president who dissents from Washington's long-standing pointless war agenda. For that, that one fact they are trying to take Trump out before you can vote for him, that should upset you more than anything that's happened in American politics in your lifetime, even if you don't plan to vote for Donald Trump, even if you would die before voting for Donald Trump, which is your right. A lot of good people feel that way. Even still, the destruction of our democracy, which is the right of voters to support any candidate they want, even candidates who don't want war with Russia, should keep you up at night. The irony here is that the Trump administration prosecuted Julian Assange under the Espionage Act, although, as I contend, this was more in the hands of Pompeo than Trump. Trump cheered Snowden's prosecution. Trump himself faces prosecution under this law, illustrative of the fact that you may once be for limitations on free speech. But in the future, you may not. Yes, Donald Trump is a flawed man, but his sins are minor compared to those of his persecutors. In this life, we don't get to choose our martyrs. We can only choose our principles and Americas are at stake. In order to get an indictment, it has to be approved by a grand jury. Any law school professor would profess. You can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. But maybe that's what Trump is. A sandwich half the country sees as gross and cheap and wants to see away with or can't indulge in the other half views as the people's food. Thank you for listening to Death on the Installment Plan podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe for the newest weekly episodes.